What the fear, ladies? It's challenging to bust through our beliefs and find our true superpower. Every Tuesday, Libby Andrew and Eleanor Brooking walk you through spiritually driven ideas, thought innovation, and inspirational leadership. If you are seeking to thrive in this incredible world and shed the fears that keep women frozen in time, join us as we review promising books and avant garde creativity. Hi, Libby. Hi. Oh, I'm so excited to be here for this very first episode. Um, it's, I'm not going to lie, I'm feeling a little bit nervous because I, this is like my very first episode of my very first podcast, well, our very first podcast. It's super exciting. I feel like um, I'm, I kind of am nervous too, even though, you know, we don't have an audience yet. <laughs> We're going to have loads of women who are going to say, what the fear? I need to listen to this. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? And I think right away, it's like, oh, the fear comes into place. But the reality is um, it's, I always have so much fun talking to you. You have so much insight and our conversations always stay with me long after we've talked and they really, really resonate. So I feel like everything you do in life is getting over whatever fear you have in place and just feel so much re- more relaxing the second you let it go. Yes. But I feel like we should introduce ourselves. Yes, go um, for it. So, okay. So I'll introduce myself first. Very hard to introduce myself because, um, you know, you, you I want to put in the most important points of the last 20 years, not mm-hmm. the easiest thing to do, but so I'll just start with, um, I'll just say a few things about myself that I find somewhat interesting. Um, I am currently working as a fashion designer in swimwear, and I run an eco-friendly swimwear line that is made from recycled ocean waste, so like fishing nets and plastic and fishing lines. Um, And you probably wonder right away, how did I come about doing that? And it is because I used to, my whole life, I've been passionate about fashion, um, and I'm passionate about the art of fashion. Uh, fashion for me has always been like an armor of sorts. And so with that in mind, I ended up um, leaving college and going straight for Manhattan and becoming Anna Winter's assistant at Vogue magazine, uh, which was, I found a very lucky position uh, to be considered for a topic at a later date on this podcast. But then I moved, I worked as her assistant for a little while and then moved into the fashion office and became the swimwear editor. So that's about that background. And I worked in the entertainment industry at Imagine Entertainment in Los Angeles and not to run down my whole resume because it's too long to be interesting. Um, but I met a lot of really interesting people and learned so much from those experiences, but at my heart of hearts, I really wanted to have a family. So I am married and I have four children and they're young, they're ages five to 12. And I find myself in a position right now where I am very, very curious about how to move forward in this society. Um, with very pressing issues regarding the environment. So I'm in a constant search for how do I meld my love of fashion and family that I want to have a great future with this idea about curiosity for how we move forward to have an eco-friendly environment. So that's my pulse and a little bit of my history. And um, now you go for it. (laughs) I don't know. My story is going to pale in comparison. I always get really um, big chills when I hear your story and your career story, I mean, um, because, um, and I think the listeners and all the women that will listen to the podcast will, um, will get to, to see how, um, how much of an ambitious person I am. And so every time that you, you mention about your past career and um, you tell me about the experiences that you went through. It is just so inspiring for me because I literally dreamt of being there when I was a little girl. And I, I, I think I still secretly do. <laughs> so 
um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 just so great. But um, I'm just going thank to you. Start. That's really really nice. But I feel like every I feel like every woman in the world has like when you follow your passion and whatever your purpose is, that's ambition. Do you know what I mean? So when you see somebody else kind of push out and go for their dreams, which I think you do when I, your story that you're about to tell about introducing yourself, but it's like, when I hear it, you, I think you followed your heart and I feel like that's what your ambition is about, you know? So I even, so I feel like everything you've done is inspiring to me. Oh, thank you. I I love this, this mutual, um, inspirational um i guess it's safe to say we're each other's fans at this point (laughs) i guess that's true (laughs) that's why we're here um i just also wanted to before i introduce myself i wanted to talk a little bit about the name of the podcast um because i feel like um it does require require a little bit of a um, not an explanation but just as to why we came with that, we came up with that name. And I feel because this podcast is aimed mostly at women, I feel like what the fear is, <laughs> and I like saying it with that tone, um, is, is all about fear and how fear is, is paralyzing us into every single decision. It, it's literally ruling our life. Um, and how we are just letting it do that because we aren't brave enough sometimes to, to just go with our guts and women especially tend to be really responsible in life. And so I just, I just feel this purpose inside of me. And I know Libby, you feel the same. Otherwise we wouldn't be here of this empowerment and the fact that we can literally do everything that we want and we can have in life everything that we want everything is possible for us and so when you think about fear as being the one thing that unconsciously stops us from having the the things that we want in life it kind of becomes like that sentence like for, for myself I say to myself, what the F am I thinking? And I think that's why this name came, came into mind. Um, I was just going to say like you, yeah. that when you told me that that, that that was the name and you, we were trying to come up with ideas for the name yeah. of the podcast. And when you told me you came up with that idea for what the fear, I just thought it was perfect right away because it's, it well, obviously, we all know, you know, what the fuck is what everybody <laughs> yeah, says. <of> course. <laughs> and so, and but what the fear, it's like anytime you have a hiccup and there's yeah. something you really want to do, and for whatever reason you're not moving forward, it usually it it's it's become maybe more um part of the like general ideology and like sort of a zitgeist to think about that fear is the thing that's in the way. Yeah. But, uh, but I think it's really true because anytime I am not pushing forward with something, if I say, am I afraid? Do I have some fear? Like I, I immediately feel, I chastise myself and I'm like, I'm sort of embarrassed that I'm afraid, but then I'm able, if I call it a fear, I'm able to break it apart really quickly. Yeah. I'm able to say, and I'm able to move past it. Okay, but you have yeah. to say what you have to introduce yourself. I have and tell to introduce you. myself. Yes, you're so that. interesting, and I want everybody to know what you've done. <laughs> I just wanted to add one last thing to that name, uh, name little. Um, so I feel like if if all of if all of you haven't ever never heard of the book by Mel Robbins, Five second rule i don't know if you've read that one libby it's really really great basically the main idea of it is that it, your brain takes literally five seconds it has a five second window before it starts talking yourself into not doing exactly what you're meant to be doing so um she uses the five second rule to um uh, you know to fight procrastination and to find the courage to do the things that we find hard to do in life. So after oh, the five is seconds, this the woman that says like five, four, three, two, one, like make yes. a decision. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. I, I love, love her. her. She's amazing. I've read the book. If all of you haven't read the book, go read it. It's a great book uh, or listen to it. I listen to it myself because I'm, I'm a busy mom. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and you know what? What the fear came in mind because of that book as well, because one, five, four, three, two, one, if you go past the one and you haven't taken action within the five seconds, then you have got to tell yourself what the fear, because fear is exactly what kicks in after those five seconds. And if you read the book, it will make complete sense. You know what? She would be somebody that would be really fun to talk to on this podcast. And I think I, when I stumbled across her information and her, I think she has a great Ted talk. Um, (laughs) We can put it in the link below after the podcast, but I remember listening, what resonated with me was her story that at some point in her life, she had become this person that she did not want to be. And she felt like she, you know, everything in her life was sort of stale and she was maybe drinking a little too much and she was just lacking the excitement at the beginning of the day of, you know, getting up and, and, and becoming, she was, she was thinking like, I used to be this really fascinating, amazing person. And now I've turned into somebody that I don't really know. And I think that's another reason for you and I talking is that can just come over you at some point in your life. You just all of a sudden have deviated so far from what you imagined you were going to be. And you wake up and you go, whoa, where did I land? And how can I I don't, I, and how do I find my direction forward without being afraid because it looks new? And how do you do that? Do you dream up what you're, where are you going next? Are you, um, what's encumbering you? Is it usually just a lot of self built ideas that aren't serving you, you mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that we're going to talk about that a lot in the podcast as well because yeah. we're both quite passionate about limiting beliefs and what, you know. Uh, what are the stories that we tell ourselves? But I'm going now to introduce myself. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to Yay. do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I'm just going with it. I My name is Alana Brooking. I, um, I'm i a qualified interior designer. And I have, I'm also a former coach uh, for moms. Um, you know, I used to help moms gain confidence and feel that motherhood empowerment so that they could um they could get through their day in in, in, with more ease and build their self-esteem and and rebuild their identity um after becoming moms and um so i no longer do that i'm um i've now gone back to my interior design and i've got lots of ideas in my mind which i'm working on um i would say i would say next to libby's career my success in life has been meeting my soulmate. Um, <laughs> and that is an interesting topic because I know a lot of people That's will, huge. Will try That's to, huge. to yeah. call in their soulmate and it's very hard, you know. I, I think finding a soulmate is a lot harder than actually building a successful business, I must say. Um, and some people say you can't have it all in life and that is total BS. I believe you can have it all in life. Um, it's just a matter of how far you are willing to to go in order to get there um and in my in my in my case my life is like literally perfect on all fronts at the moment and um i am now after becoming a mom of two trying to build my own career um so this story about finding my soulmate it's something that i want to talk about at a later date though because it's such an interesting story um i don't think i think it's fascinating yeah, so let's leave that one for because um, we've ever actually you how that all happened, but another time. But I it is interesting because I think so many people, you know, you, you sort of have this you have your checklist of the things that you that are really important to you, and I feel like for most of the people I know, that is the top of the list. Like mm-hmm. that's number one, two, or three is. I want to find my soulmate. I want to go through this life sharing with somebody else. And we can even talk about like what that means. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, I met, I met my husband when I was 17 and now we have two beautiful girls. Um, I'm a mom of two girls and you know, I, the reason why I say you can have it all is because 
I hear a lot of people saying, you cannot do everything. You can either focus on being a mom or you can either focus on having a career. I call BS on that one because yes, being a mom is very hard. And I know you Libby have four of your own, <laughs> which is no joke, mm. but I believe in if you want, if you really, really want something, you will make it happen. And I'm not saying it's not ugly. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's simple um, in the way that it is absolutely possible to have both. It's a matter of how ambitious you can be, how much you are willing to also give up without feeling that guilt of, you know, spending time on your business or, or at work or on your career in general and how guilty are you going to feel about the time that you are taking away from your family in order to do that and how to find that right balance to do that. Um, you know, you had your, your big career before you, you had your kids and I want to I know- did, but I had, I, I did, but I, I think something that was interesting for me is that I, so people will ask me all the time, like, oh, um, how did you end up getting that job at Vogue in Anna Winter's office and her assistant and all of that, which there's a specific part of the story. But I definitely am a believer in, you know, I, I never, I didn't go to Parsons. I didn't have, I, I had a degree in philosophy mm-hmm. from an awesome liberal arts college in Massachusetts. Um, and I, but my whole life was about fashion because of how much I loved it. I didn't, but it, I didn't love it for show. I always loved it. Like I didn't, we didn't, I didn't grow up in a very wealthy family. I mean, we were just fine. Um, so, but it wasn't like I got everything that I ever wanted. I did not come from a super privileged background. And, but for me, it was self-expression and it was also like the adoration of what of watching other people and um, just loving the whole scene of it and how um, how people would express themselves through through the art that they wore, which was fashion to me. So when I it, it's funny because it's not for me about status, and so uh, this relates to what you were saying before. Just because I think I'm a believer in. My career didn't develop because I was like, I want that career and I'm going after it. My career developed because it was my heart of heart passion. And so for me in my life, in any area of my life, whenever I've gone wrong, it's because I've separated from myself, separated from whatever my true passion and just sort of said, well, I need to go do this now. This is the next thing I need to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very dishonest, you know, and I think that's how you end up in a mess is when you, when you chase down something that you think you need to have, that's very like in your head, but not in your heart. And so anyway, I'm going off on a huge long tangent, but I think, um, I think that's part of what I would want to convey to women is, and it's a daily practice for me. I, I still struggle with that. Like what's in my heart versus what's in my head. And every time I go with the choice of love and what I, and I look at what I actually do on a day to day basis, like what I actually love, it's different than what's in my head, what I think I want, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, That makes total sense. Yeah. We were, so we should, okay, so wait a second. So, so you, but you had your interior design career, which I love. You're very talented and okay. I, I loved everything that I've seen that you've done. And then you worked as a coach for moms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I started my interior, so I actually started my interior design um, study um, while I while, while I was going through postnatal depression with my first, uh. I have no idea how I made it through, but I did. <laughs> so I started my studying um, right after my first was born. Um, I just felt like being a stay-at-home mom at that time was just, I just had to do something else. And interior design was always something that I, I wanted to do. 
I was, I've always been really passionate about it and I always felt like I was quite good at it. So I, yeah, I started studying and um, with a little baby roaming around and I finished it when my second baby was born. Just a few days, I got my diploma just a few days before my second baby was born. So wow. yeah, like speaking of wanting to start something for myself while entering motherhood, it was quite overwhelming and going through postpartum depression was not easy. Um, but I think that's what gave me the strength and the confidence to, to make me think today that I, I didn't do all of that to just be sitting at home being a stay-at-home mom, which is nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. I don't, I don't want all the stay-at-home moms to just be like, oh, you're a bitch <laughs> because you think I'm sitting at home doing nothing. No, not at all. Um, I really admire moms who you know, sit at home and they, want, they, they do their own thing and they want to focus on their own children and they choose not to have a career because they want to focus 100% on that. It's just not me, right? I'm, I'm more of a, and I'm going to be honest about this. Like I am, for me, it's just not enough. Not that my children are not enough. It's just being a mom in my life right now is not enough. We have one life to give and I just don't, to live, sorry. And I just don't want to, I want, I've got a lot of things that I want to do. And so I'm going to go ahead and do them, right? So I have a question about your postpartum depression because I think maybe after, I'd say probably after my first child, I had postpartum depression as well, but undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. And because I, because I would, I was always taught, like when we went to, when I went to the doctor and then ask you questions, you were fine. You know, it was like, oh, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm fine. (laughs) Or you're, you know, oh, do you have, oh, let's, and like, I remember going, to the doctor and them thinking, well, maybe I had a little bit of depression and they would go down this checklist of asking you, yeah. well, do you still want to do the same things you wanted, you wanted to do before? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Although they've changed. Yeah. Like, or then they go and then they go to the next question. It was like, um, you know, are you, the questions were so banal and I felt like they didn't apply to me and I wasn't able to say how I was really feeling because it wasn't, I wasn't able to fit it into a box. And I thought, well, if I want to get medication and just sort of put myself on a medical path to recovery that isn't going to address how I'm really feeling, I could just say yes to all of this. Mm-hmm. But then, but then that's not reality. And I think that is a great topic for a different podcast too. Yeah, is this I think so. about, yeah, because does depression like one size fits all? No, no. Everybody experiences depression and especially postpartum depression differently. Yeah. So I, I'm very curious, like I, I've never talked to you about that before, but I'd be very curious to find out like yeah. how you discovered, you discovered that. Yeah. So I, think- I, I know a lot of, I know a lot of about, about the topic as well. Um, having worked with moms who were also going through postpartum depression and I would be really happy to go you know, to dive deeper into this topic um, because I feel like it's such an important topic um, that needs a lot of awareness. Um, So I would be really happy to do that in a different episode for sure. And hey, look, like we're talking, we already have like three different topics that we want to cover next. (laughs) We do. And I'm not to backtrack, but I wanted to also just connect with what, connect the dots with what I was saying before about having worked at Vogue. I think in my early twenties. Cause that's when I was there. I felt like I had arrived in heaven to a certain extent, but at the same time I could, I could see like my flaw, the, the flaws I saw in the industry and in the people working industry and the attitudes tripped me up mm-hmm. because it had always been my escape and my oasis fashion had always been a place where I could like be myself and indulge and recover. And then when I actually was working at the helm of it, where I was connected to all of the top, top designers and people, and you can only imagine who called every single day, but then all of a sudden the, com- the, the sort of commercial business side of it was so raw for me that it, it became, I became disconnect, disconnected with it and I started to fall out of love with it. 
And so it's been a long journey. People will always say, oh, I hate to hear that you said you went on a long journey, but I did go on a long journey trying to figure out how to, how to like have it not feel so icky. Yeah, I think <laughs> like still maintain my love of fashion yeah. and, and understand why I like it and not have it feel so commercial and like a pulse of just making money and, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the age of 20, you're still kind of trying to find yourself in the world. And so it's not easy to kind of visualize and imagine how the world of fashion in that case can, can be in our heads and based on what we see on TV and magazines and then kind of having to be behind the scenes um, and, and coming to the realization that it, it is something totally different from, you know, what you thought it would be. And coping with that at the age of 20 must have been really, you know, hard. Well, I think you also ask yourself like, at this point in time, I've decided it can be different. It doesn't have to be um, so commercialized and so much about the money. And I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, but I think that's what's been missing in the fashion industry. You know, you see yeah. these, you see these, um, you see these designers interviewed and, and a few designers who have been pushed over the edge of the demands of their artistry. Um, and they become someone they, they didn't want or intend to be. And so I, I, I see that as, I see that as them being pushed over the edge by the, the, the commercialization of the industry. So the demands become too great. And I feel like it doesn't have to be that way, but we as a society, we're, we're facing it right now with COVID-19. We as a society need to start to do things differently. And it takes a shock to the world, to the system, for us to begin to change, for us to begin to say, can we even do it differently? Like, that's my biggest question about the COVID-19 and all, us all being quarantined for the coronavirus is like, I know really quickly right now, like, what I loved about my life right before this and what I hated about my life right before this. And I'm thinking, can I go back to the way it just was? And will I have to? Because- yeah. I think I don't have to. I think I can take so much good out of this. Things, things that I learned about myself and things that I now understand I was, I was feeling exhausted in so many ways. Um, and, I, and I just wonder, like, what will life look like post-COVID-19? Like, are we going to – it's going to have to be different. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, so I just wanted to ask you a question about this. Um, sure, sure. <laughs> what is the one thing that you are not looking forward to going back to? Let's say we do go back to normal, everything goes back yeah. to, you know. Um, what well, is- my schedule, my schedule. Um, so I realized something really wonderful over this process is that I truly love my kids and I like their personalities there. And um, I like spending time with them and I love my husband and he is um, really fun person and really interesting. And when, before this happened, we were on this breakneck speed. We had um, both my older boys had two sports each in the spring. Everybody, my kids are, have really struggled two of them in school with dyslexia um and but they've overcome it and they have now excellent exceptional grades but a lot of this is because we were like making sure it happened and there was this sort of pulse and constantly going and i literally would feel like i woke up in the morning and it was like you know the gunshot at the beginning of a horse race like with bang, you know, yeah. go. And I had, I mean, I obviously had things that I love. Like I love my yoga and I love my exercise and communicating with friends and all of that. But that schedule of fitting it all in from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. where it, it was too much. It was too mm-hmm. much. So I don't want to go back to that type of a schedule because now I see my kids, their anxiety level has gone way down. Um, they're still doing the same amount of schoolwork. Yeah. They're still getting your schoolwork done. 
they are going outside to play baseball or lacrosse for fun, but not as like a competition so they can get into the right college, so they can get noticed. But I mean, there's all these expectations that have just been lifted. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's a much happier way of life that way. I really do. At the same time, I, I wonder in that same breath, does it need to be that way for our economy to flourish and thrive? And, you know, I wonder, like, is that just the way it is, that, that pushy pulse that's competitive? Like, is that what people need? Anyway, so th- uh, th- I, those are I, my questions. Yeah, so I, I, I feel the same. Um, I, when I think when we go back to normal, what is the one thing that I wouldn't take back? And that is the pressure, the same type of pressure on my day to get somewhere on time to, you know, to be doing all the things I have to be doing. And just, you know, the relaxation that came with being at home uh, without any, you use the right words, expectation, um, there are no expectations at the moment. Right. Like, there are no expectations work-wise. There are no expectations. Yeah, the expectation is stay at home. There are no ex- <laughs> Yeah, and so people are just relaxing into this new way of being. And I just loved the fact that I didn't go through one bit of anxiety throughout this whole process and how I didn't mind if the, the girls were going to bed that we're going to bed 15 minutes later than usual. Whereas normally if that happened, mm. I, it would be mm. like a race against time literally. And if that happened, I would just, I just hate being late on my schedule. Totally. So, totally. You're yeah. like sit in the bedroom saying, shut your eyes. You have to go to sleep because we have to get up at a certain time. Yeah, so I think time, time is a very interesting concept. I think time is very, it can be suffocating. Um, mm. And I do believe that for me as well, that's the one thing that I really don't miss is that pressure from not having enough time. Um, and funnily enough, my husband went back to work yesterday and Oh, that's good. I guess it's good. Yeah, it, it, it's good. Um, but funnily enough, that there, a little bit of anxiety has creeped back on me because it feels like, oh, we're back. We're back into routine. Oh, no, we're not type of thing. Like half of the household is back in routine and the other half is not. And so he's then obviously all of a sudden a big shock for him because he's, um, he's been at home all day getting things done with all of us and I've gotten all the help that I could with the girls. And now he's, he's just all of a sudden gone and just gotten really busy at work. So um, it's impossible for him not to not bring some of that back home as well. Um, So there are some very interesting dynamics happening at the moment um, for sure. I do completely. And I, I I want to, I mean, I just want to ask you like my new, you know, my husband actually loves to grocery shop. And so um, he will go out right now and he'll say, you know, he comes home and he's like in a frenzy because he says it's like, you know, being in the apocalypse when yeah. he goes out to the grocery store. Yeah. And I just can't even imagine like what it's like being out there working. I mean, it's probably nice, but there's this very odd, surreal quality that exists right now. I feel like oh, yeah, that we don't know. There's so much that's unknown. Yes, but I do, I, inside of myself, like if I ask myself, will we ever go back, will things be the same again? Mm, I can't help but say yes to that. Mm. I think so. I mean, it works. I think it will, um, it will go back. Obviously, slowly, not from one day to the other, but I think it will happen. I mean, I couldn't bear not having the girls go back to school. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, it's, it's crazy. I'm a, I'm a homeschooling mom suddenly for four different grades. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, it, there's so many benefits to it. I can see some of their, where there's have some weaknesses. And also I think it's really fun school. I've always loved school. I guess I'm sort of a, 
I guess I'm a little bit nerdy that way, but um, <laughs> I, I love, you know, learning about history and their various sciences and whatever it is, math, even whatever it is, they're learning and teaching them. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm sort of cherishing that, but it, do I want to do it long-term? Okay. No, no, I do not. That's <laughs> um, yeah. So there are a lot of posts on social media at the moment um, talking about how uh, women are, you know, even though they're on lockdown, they're spending their time at home, they're still getting up in the morning and getting dressed up. So are you getting dressed up at home, Libby? So I, I actually am. (laughs) Yeah. So it depends. I mean, whatever. I have my schedule. So I have my yoga class that I take online and um, one benefit of having been a stay-at-home mom with my entrepreneurial projects um, and my fashion business is that I had already had to put a pretty strict structure in place. So I'm basically doing the same thing with the addition of teaching them. Mm-hmm. But I learned from, you know, starting my fashion business is I learned that I want to get dressed up every day. That's fun for me. And I'm not doing it for anybody else, even if I don't see anybody else. I'm doing it because I like to feel good and actually love the clothes. And um, I think I think it's really fun. I, I mean, I have moments where, you know, I'm in my yoga pants and I have to teach the kids, so I'll stay in them a little bit longer. But I definitely have really cool... Um, shirts that I had bought for the season that I want to wear and I do and I, I do it for myself mm-hmm. yeah um, absolutely. because it makes me feel good it makes me feel good I don't I've never I mean there's if I'm going to an event maybe I'll think about dressing for other people sort of but not really yeah. I usually have always dressed for myself so yes I, I am. That. That's that's so interesting. That, that is very interesting um, because I feel like right now, women who are dressing up at home and who are keeping that up as a habit is actually, um, those are the women who do it for themselves. And I feel like women who are not doing it because they're like, well, what's the point? I'm just going to wear my pajama. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, are you still there? I feel like, yeah, f- yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, by the way, yep. uh, we should mention to the listeners out there that um, despite, despite many podcasts doing the, um, the editing on their recording, we are actually not going to um, edit our recordings. We're not? No, we're not. <laughs> because um, I feel like the... the the genuinity of a conversation, um, it, it, it's priceless. So I feel like you, you, you just, you just see what, what you see is what you get really. So being, well, I think that's honest. And I actually get interruptions or technical problems or or, of any sort, then just so you know, that's staying in there and you have to, you'll have to be part of it. (laughs) Or my, my new puppy has been crying outside the door for, I know I need to let him, I need to let him in my, I, we bought a Cavapoo right before all this happened. Oh yeah. Cute. Bring us some puppy. Bring so us if you hear the cry, if you hear little lines outside, it's because my puppy. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I can't actually hear hear the puppy. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. So that being said, I just wanted to say how I myself haven't, I have been dressing up at home, but not every single day because I've had my good days and I've had my, my not so good days of just being a mom hair in a bun type of style. Um, which I think is also okay, but what I've been doing more is putting more makeup. So I've been, I've been using more makeup because I kind of all of a sudden have the time to, to sit in front of the mirror and just do it. And if, if whoever is a mom out there will understand this literally, because <laughs> we never really have time for it. So now it's like, Oh, I can finally sit there and do it properly. Well, I think that's the, I think that's one of the whole ideas about this, situation is in, and even in the idea behind our podcast too, it's like, what do you do for yourself? Like, what are you, um, 
why are you doing, you, you have time to ask yourself these questions like, why am I doing what I do? And do I even like what I'm doing? Um, and if you enjoy getting dressed up, get dressed up for yourself. If you don't, don't. It's not, you know, that's the nicest thing. There's, there's a huge lack of judgment at the moment because we're all in our own worlds. And I sometimes imagine this is probably what it was like in the 1940s and early 1950s with, um, you know, pre-war and during the war and post-war. It's like people didn't, we didn't have the same type of visual connections to each other that we have now where everything happens so quickly and the news reports on things so fast. In fact, they don't have enough to report um, that there's not a lot of time for uh, self-reflection and a lot of time to for personal individual growth, but there is right now. And I think that's super, super rare. Um, and I, which leads me to try, I'm trying to discover as much as I can about sustainable fashion at the moment. Um, because I, so my brother, so when I started my fashion line, my brother gave me this book that was called, it's called Fashionopolis. And I, the picture on the cover is of like, I think it's Nefertiti on the, with a, a, like a um, statue. And in front of her, it's this huge pile of throwaway fashion, like all these clothes. And I thought, you know, of course my brother's perfect like that. And I thought, well, I'm not going to read this book because it's going to make me feel terrible. Even though I'm doing recycled fashion, I'm like, maybe we just don't even need any more new clothes in the world. Yeah. Um, you know? And so I think people are thinking about that too, especially with the the crash in the fashion industry right now. I mean, nobody's buying clothes and it's such a huge, huge industry. There's such a pulse and a drive to that industry. I, but I think there's a huge opportunity for us to change it right now because what was happening before the fast fashion is so tough on the environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if people care about that that much, you know? Um, um, I think there is an, definitely a niche for that. I mean, um, I, I've, I'm not sure that people who have very busy lives would worry about that 100%. But even if, even if most people went, um, I don't know if, so I don't know if we mentioned that I live in London and you live, live in Boston, right? Yeah, I don't so, think we mentioned yeah, that. That's so Boston, yeah. So, <laughs> I just want to say, I don't know if you have um, charity shops in the States, but we, in, in the UK, we have charity shops where most people do and uh, do buy secondhand, uh, which I find is it can be a way of recycling, um, you know, fashion pieces and as well as donating to charitable causes and stuff like that. So I feel like people who are particularly like say vegans or people who are particularly activists will care about sustainable fashion if you know what I mean I do and I think it's great because so I, I I've obviously started to pay attention to the designers and the celebrities who are really into that like Emma Watson I think is huge and then mm -hmm. you know Stella McCartney of course pays a lot of attention to that and you've got like people like um, Mayor Hoffman or certain designers that are really careful about the fabrics they use and how they're made and where they're made. And I think that is going to be the way of the future in fashion. I think it has to be. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of a relief actually, because it might mean what I've always thought about this is that people are not going to start, stop wanting something new I think that's, and I think that's refreshing. And I think that's just part of what fashion is, is always looking forward. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, but something new can be from the charity shop, like you said, or a secondhand store is what we call it here. Yeah. Um, like the consignment shop or whatever. And I think we're just going to have to shift how we're viewing it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. There was a... Yeah, I mean, there was like a, this great time for efficiency. The 90s and the early 2000s, it was like we became so, so efficient. And then you have to start to back off of that and say, okay, we can do it, but should we? 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's where I think that's what where we're at as a society. I feel like um, there has to be someone who can speak up and bring awareness so that other people can follow. Like, for example, when I was um, doing sustainable interior design back in the day, I was looking into different products and different materials that would be, um, you know, environmentally friendly. And I did find a lot. Um, and what happened at some point is I found this little paint um, company, uh, which is um, literally 20 minutes from where I live. And uh, I think it's called the Little Paint, Eco-Friendly Paint Company, something like that. It has like mm -hmm. a really simple name. And um, I thought it was really nice. And I did buy from them a few times until I read, until Meghan Markle falls pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I read this article about written by the interior designer who did the nursery um, and she mentioned how everything inside was eco-friendly was um, um, cruelty-free and how she had chosen every single piece um, which was 100% sustainable and then I read the mention of this paint company that the that they had used for the nursery and it was the same company that I had discovered not long before that and I found it really interesting because this company went from having 20 clients to having 2000 clients all at once oh my god <laughs> it Amazing. blew up literally so I mean it takes that much for people to go into a direction and I feel like it's the same with fashion. It needs to happen. You know, Stella McCartney did it. Um, but I feel like there need to be more people who need to set that example so that everybody else can follow. I totally agree with you. I think, I, I think that's, that was a really, really poignant thing for you to say. I love it. I yeah. mean, yeah, because, because they have that kind of, fashion celebrity, if you will, they have that power and mm -hmm. this is a time for them to use it. Um, and you, you can make something really, really cool and you can make something uh, and you can create an awareness surrounding it. And then you need, and then you need the backing and you, and you need the financial backing. Yeah. You need the dollars to make. And I think fashion doesn't have to like, it still can be luxurious. You can yeah. still, um, it doesn't have to be second rate. It can be the thing that is the best thing, but it, it takes the people in the industry to make it that way. You know? Do you think um, there is, um, a bit of a gap though, between the celebrity, the hot celebrity of the moment and the, you know, the, the person sitting at home, um, so, for example, let's say a celebrity gets on TV and they say, hey, this dress is made of 100% sustainable material, recycled, whatever. It's, you know, super eco-friendly. No animals were harmed in the making of it. Um, and was to, if that celebrity was to kind of publicize the fact that this is what I wear now, don't you think like that people would just turn around and say like, yeah, but... I don't have that money to spend on a dress like that. Oh, like, you know, I, it's like, it's like for sure. celebrities right now are on social media saying, um, please stay at home. There's so much you can do. La la la. And they're giving out like activity ideas and music to listen to movies to watch. And literally I saw a meme the other day of people posting how, yeah, it's easy for you to say that. You live in a mansion and I live in a two-bedroom apartment. Type oh, you know, so, do you think there's a big gap? Um, in oh, my God, there's a huge think gap. People are just kind of uh, misreading the message. I think we're living in a really – I think that what you're saying is huge, and I just thought about it myself the other day. Mm -hmm. Um we the the news reporters and God bless them. I mean, they're doing their job and they've crushed it and they're doing really well um, financially, as evidenced by 
they're saying, stay at home and we're going to report for home. And I said to my husband, I go, they need to be really careful because they are saying that, but they're sitting in like the kitchen of their dreams. Yeah. And do you think, do you you know, and they, and, and it's like, yeah. And, and it was funny because I had, I did, you know, my mother is 81 and she's always been a little contrary. We have, I love her to death, but we have very, um, different views of the world. So our conversations are always very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to her the other day about fashion a little bit because I'm working on my fashion line. And she was like, nobody cares about fashion right now. (laughs) That's not true though. I don't think it's true, but I don't think it's true. But I, she had a point. She goes, no, they're thinking. I said, I, I I said to her, like I interrupted her and I said, yeah, I know it's true. It's absolutely true. A lot of people have lost their jobs and they're going to they're, they're not thinking obviously about buying something new. And I said, but I'm not talking about it in that way. I'm talking about how do you present yourself to yourself and your family at this time? But that was a whole different issue. The, yeah. the thing, the thing I was thinking about with her was that there is a lot of truth to, there's a huge gap between people who, and it, it's, it's not always the people who are richer or less rich Sometimes it just happens to be the job that the profession that you chose is one that can still work right now. But mm-hmm. then there's other professions that people have, like the restaurant industry where they can only do delivery, but nobody's coming. Like they're, they're going to be really suffering. And then the people who work in that industry are really suffering or like the fashion industry actually um, super, super suffering of just factory workers and people who do um, – the pattern making and, you know, setting up the events to show everything. So it's a time where, um, that's because it's a job that you can't do from home. So what I'm saying, like basically, it's a job that you can't do from home. I think it's a mindset issue. Like even of people who say like, I, it doesn't actually annoy me when I see celebrities such as i don't know justin bieber or whatever else whoever actor or jessica alba doing her tiktoks with her daughter like i find it lovely and the fact that they're saying people please stay at home you can you can do a lot at home it can be fun i i i look at that and i said like they're right it doesn't matter in what kind of house you're living in it really doesn't because you're I mean, I could, I could have a lot to say about how the environment. Yeah, you know what? You're opening my eyes to something. I think I agree with you. Okay, yeah. keep going. Good. Yeah. So I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start talking about how much I think the environment is impacting your mood and your and your psychological status. This can be a conversation for another time. But what I'm trying to say is that it's they're not pointing out how uh, staying at staying at home for me is easier than what it is for you. Isn't that what we're reading into that? Isn't that our perception when we say, oh yeah, it's easy for you because you've got plenty of money or it's easy for you because you've got a beautiful house. That's not the point. Like, just like people saying, oh, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to run my business from home at the moment because nobody has money to buy. That is not true. It's not true. You know what happened? My best friend, um, she lives in Italy Mm. and she um, owns a, a shoe store. She sells beautiful high heels and she's very, very passionate about it. And so for obvious reasons, everybody's on lockdown. Her store has been closed for um, nearly six weeks now. So um, she is very, she's so not tech savvy. Like the online world for her might as well be like, I don't know. um, (laughs) It's a foreign language. Unexplored. (laughs) Yes. And so she was asking me because obviously I run my business online and um, she said, I, I don't know if it's, if it's a good idea to take things online. I could possibly deliver shoes to people, um, to my clients and la, la, la. And we never for a second thought people don't have, people are not even thinking about buying shoes now, which is what you would be normally thinking. No, I said to her, you need to get on your Facebook. She has about 1,500 followers on her business page on Facebook. I said, you've got 1,500 people following you. You need to use those people. You need to get on your Facebook and you need to start go into your store, pick a model of shoes, start talking about it, present it, show your face. You will see, you'll be delivering shoes all day long. And what's what's the name of her, what's the name of her store? Um, it's called Paprika. 
you know what? I think you are 100% right. And you know what? She is selling like crazy right now. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, I'm glad I just said that. I, no, I think you're 100% right. I think you're, they, it, we, we've talked about this before, but it's like the, you have this vibrational energy of you can either live in the quagmire of the sad rawness of what's happening, or you can say with, without feeling guilty or callous, I'm walking this other path. I'm walking this path of abundance. I'm walking this path of keeping my sights set on what I what I'm passionate about, what I want to do. And there is a space for that. And there's going to continue to be a space for that. And the reality is the more people who feel like that, the better the economy will be. Yeah. It's if we all get sucked into this idea that it's going to crash and burn, yeah. then it will. But it yeah. but we have to kind of stay on a level where we say, okay, yes, this is happening. The, the virus is a real thing, but it doesn't have to spell out the future. Like who, who, who makes the future? The people living life create the future Absolutely. and they can create an abundant future or they can create a, a future filled with fear. You know what I mean? What the fear? Every time we say what the fear, we have to say <laughs> what the fear. <laughs> oh God! What fear yeah. are you talking about? I mean, yeah, it's it's really interesting how um, there are so many different um, outlooks on the situation at the moment, and I am a firm believer of the fact that um, there will be a massive boom after all of this is over. It may not happen right away, but it will happen because it does every time. So. I am ready for it. I'm ready for it. So we, so I wanted to, so you had brought up a really interesting idea f- to me the other day about um, the, the human design, the idea of human design and how do we know who we are um, in this world. And you said you felt like you discovered something really cool that resonated with you. Do you want to talk about that today? Or do you- um, so yeah, I, 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 um, I think human design is a topic that is very interesting. I'm really, really new to it as I have only been, um, finding out about it for a couple of weeks now, but I would, I would actually be more, um, inclined to talk about this in the next episode because simply, okay. simply because um, there is so much to say about it. And I want to also, in combination with that, I want to talk about how the other day I had an experience with a spiritual coach and how it really opened my eyes to um, reading um, my limiting beliefs through uh, my body, through the energy, through the feeling in my body parts. So I've, I've, I thought that was really, really interesting. So I, I can't wait. To, I can, okay, yeah. so let's talk about that next time. And I, in conjunction with that, there's this book that I had read that's my favorite book of 2019 that I want to talk about called um, The Education of an Idealist by Samantha Power. Mm-hmm. Um, she was ambassador to the UN under Obama. And that book, if you're looking for a good book, it's a little bit meaty, but it's unbelievable. Um, and I wanted to talk about it in regards to making small changes. Um, the idea of how you can make a big difference with small change. So maybe we can, we can wrap it up now and but talk about it next time. Yeah, absolutely. We, I feel like it ties in all together. We can have like a bit of a spiritual episode next time. I yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be an interesting topic. Um, yeah. So uh, it's um, 10 to 11 PM here in London. What's the time over there? It's 10 of six. It's time for me to yeah. go. Oh, yay. <laughs> we told you, we warned you. These recordings are not going to be edited. We're not cutting anything out. So what, what, what is here is what you get. So we are on lockdown, just like all of you. We are, you know, full-time moms at the moment. So we have got all of those funny, uh, fun things to do at home, such as cook dinner, which I really hate to do. And I said it. <laughs> Um, it depends on what I'm cooking. Fortunately, yeah. my husband shares it with me. So that's really good. But, um, 
and I think I have a game of laser tag in my future outside. Oh, so. yay. That is, sounds <laughs> really exciting. I mean, it, it's so fun, though, just spend time with the kids at the moment. It, it really is because we, we never really do, especially if you if you are – if any of your moms or who are working moms, you, you'll be going – pretty crazy right now but you also as you said before you've discovered like how much you love your children and it's just such a nice time to be bonding with your family it is a nice time and it's I mean and also I mean they can be difficult too though I'm not gonna lie but I think it's you when sometimes when you're forced to deal with something you really rise to the occasion and you and there's so much discovery and I think um that's what's been happening for me I'm like well I'm in it I did this. I'm in it. I might as well make it amazing, you know? Yeah, I, I love what you just said. And it's, <laughs> it, I feel like on that note, I yeah. think on that note, we can, we can safely say that it's, um, we're going to wrap it up. And, we're all good. Yeah, let's yeah. wrap it up. Uh, so I'll put anything I mentioned, anything we mentioned book-wise or um, TED Talk or whatever it is, we'll put in the show notes and links below and you can look that up. And we'll also share an email with you where you can uh, write into us because I think it'd be really fun to have questions from listeners um, and maybe read those like once a week and answer questions. Absolutely. Okay. And and if you you have listened to this whole episode, thank you so much for doing that. And if you already feel confident enough to leave a review, that would be really lovely. It would help us to get the podcast out there to as many women as uh, possible. Yes, and please um, go ahead and subscribe because we'll be back once a week. Yay, amazing. Thank you so much, Libby. (laughs) Okay, thank you. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of What the Fear. If you have any questions, you can send us an email at whatthefearpodcast at gmail.com. That was whatthefearpodcast at gmail.com. If you miss us during the week, you can share this episode with a friend or connect with us on Instagram under whatthefearpodcast. Do leave us a review if you enjoyed our unedited virtual get-together. See you next week with a brand new episode.